This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Well, Oregon's on a roll right now at 8-1. and one. What's their biggest challenge going forward? Not beating themselves. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. So if you have not already, like, comment, and subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch the show, which today is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. So I was thinking about Oregon's path forward. Three games left in uh, the regular season. USC this week at home. Arizona State on the road. Oregon State at home. If Oregon wins all three of those games, they're in the Pac-12 championship and will be playing for a spot in the college football playoff in all likelihood. I talked about over on Locked On Pac-12, just watch out for Alabama. A Bama loss to Auburn in the Iron Bowl would be nice and kind of you know put my mind at ease at a touch. A Texas loss wouldn't hurt either. But overall, Oregon's schedule is sufficiently strong and they would have avenged their loss in all likelihood to Washington in the Pac-12 title game that if they win out, they'll get into the college football playoff. And I think they should. And so I was thinking about, well, what what would happen? What would it look like if that doesn't happen? When you think about the way this season has gone, the way Oregon has played, the way they're playing right now, the only thing that's going to get in Oregon's way is Oregon, which could happen, by the way. Could absolutely happen. We've seen it happen before. I feel really good about the way this team is playing on both sides of the ball. I think the offense is balanced can execute in the rain, in the sunshine. They can throw it down the field, middle of the field, short game. They can do anything and everything that they want, even second and 37 for a touchdown. How great was that throw to Tez Johnson from Bo Nix? I think that Oregon, when they play at their best, I don't see a team in the Pac-12 that can beat them. Now, Husky fans might get very upset if they're watching and listening in the comment section. Well, what about Washington? Washington beat them. True. Oregon played well in that game. How did they get in their own way? Oregon went for it on a fourth down or two where they didn't actually need to, and Oregon couldn't make a 42-yard field goal. Washington played a good game. Washington played well enough to win. Washington won the game. They deserved to win the game. It's not as if Oregon wasn't capable of winning, though. It wasn't Utah circa 2021. wasn't anything like that. And I think that if Oregon plays at their best, And if they play a good all-around football game, and there aren't perfect games, the Utah game was fairly close to it, but you're not going to play a perfect game, not saying that. But Oregon's biggest hurdles this year have all been correctable on their side of the ball, whether that's offense or defense. Because when you look at what Oregon's biggest issues have been this year, what's the number one thing? Penalties, right? 
eight for 99, or was it nine for 99? Nine for 99 against Cal. A little bit sloppy. Ball getting snapped into Tez Johnson, which leads to one of Cal's touchdowns. Sloppiness. Not anything that Cal did. They pick up the ball and score, but that wasn't a turnover that was forced by the Bears. That was a turnover that was created by Oregon, and the Bears were able to capitalize to their credit. If you look at the Washington game, if Dan Lanning takes three points before the half, Camden Lewis is kicking for the win, maybe that feels different. Maybe he's able to make the kick that, I don't know, that's speculative. Camden Lewis's ability to make a field goal is not something that other teams are influencing. That's something that Oregon can correct, that Camden Lewis has to correct, because the kicking game is a struggle right now. But these are not things, the, the, the point I'm trying to drive home here is that Oregon cannot, by anybody in the Pac-12, get outmatched. They, they, they can't get blown out by anybody. They're too good on both sides of the football. We'll see how the USC game goes this week. I have some early thoughts coming uh, later in the show. But the only thing to stop Oregon from getting to the playoff is Oregon, is if they make those sorts of mistakes. Because I don't see a team, and that includes Washington, that is capable of just outplaying them where you look up and go, they're just a better team. I can think of moments where that's happened throughout Oregon football's history, where you just go, yeah, they're just better. Right? 2011, LSU. LSU was just a better team. They were better that day. 2010, Auburn National Championship. Auburn wasn't just better. They just happened to win the football game. Those two things are different. Ohio State National Championship in 2015. Ohio State was just better. Tip your cap and say, that's the better football team. Outplayed the Ducks, and they're just better overall. I don't feel that anyone in the Pac-12 is capable of doing that with Oregon. Other teams can beat Oregon. We've already seen that. Other teams are not capable of just at their best outplaying Oregon because of the balance, the depth, and the talent that this Oregon team has. So if they clean up the penalties for any particular game, avoid sloppy mistakes like snapping the ball into Tez Johnson, which leads to a scoop and score for the Bears to keep him in the game early, Oregon can go win the Pac-12, and I don't think anybody can stop them, including Washington. But they have to be able to play that mistake-free sort of football. I think this Oregon team's really good. I think the defense is awesome. I think the offense is fantastic and running at a high level. And speaking of, speaking of the Oregon offense, Bo Nix is so great. I just appreciate this guy more and more every single week. I love that video that he recorded with Tez Johnson after the game that Go Ducks posted on Instagram and Twitter, just saying, hey, that was fun, even in the rain, even in the rain. Thanks for coming out. Best stadium in the country. Love you guys. Everything like that. That was, you know, the gist of what he said. It wasn't a very long video, but just the joy that he's playing with right now, I, I think is reflective of him understanding what he needs to do to be successful and executing that every single week. And I wrote about this over at 750thegame.com that his leadership, I think, is an underappreciated aspect of what is making him so good. Take Saturday, for instance. The first play from scrimmage, Oregon throws an interception that goes off of Tez Johnson's hands. Later in the game, same player has the ball snapped off of him. No one can scoop it up. Cal scoops and scores for a touchdown. Those two things happen to a lot of teams, and they end up losing or at least playing a tight football game no matter who they're going against. 
Oregon has both of those things happen, and they win by 38 points, 48 points. I can't do math. 63 to 19. They win. I literally can't do math. Why can I not do math? That's a great question. They win by 44 points. Gosh, that was way too hard. That was, that was, oh boy. Other podcast hosts might edit that out. I try to be as authentic with it as I can with, with all of you here on the show. So I'm not going to do that. But anyway, that was a struggle. Oregon wins the game by 44 points. In a game in which they gave up a touchdown on offense, threw an interception on the first play from scrimmage. And oh, by the way, that guy who had the ball go off his hands had a career game with the Ducks, 12 for 180 and two touchdowns. Bo Nix's leadership presence is something that should be calming to every Duck fan. In the only two games this year in which Oregon has trailed by two possessions, they've come back at some point in time to take the lead. And it's been led by Bo Nix. And he's the most experienced quarterback in the history of college football. Well, guess what? He plays like it every week, every quarter, every play, every drive. He's always there as the same guy. He is seeing defenses really, really well. He he is doing an exceptional job of running the offense the way that he needs to and making the decisions that put the offense in the best chance to succeed, spreading the ball around. He's just got everything. And then he makes dynamic plays as well. And, and that aspect of his Heisman candidacy should not go overlooked, though it will. It's just such a key part of what makes him a fantastic football player. And he had some game-changing plays uh, this weekend that we got to talk about. It's time for a Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. I had a lot of different thoughts about which play was the game-changing moment of the week. How about the Bo Nix touchdown to Troy Franklin? They talked about it. Yogi Roth did an excellent job laying out on the broadcast of Bo Nix recognizing the blitz, running to his right, and throwing the ball to a spot for Troy Franklin to go get it with tremendous anticipation. Troy makes a contested catch, and Oregon pads the lead. That was the Athletic Brewing Company game changer of the week. Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good, which I know, wild concept. Their brews are great tasting and award-winning and beat out full-strength beers in global competitions, and they're fit for all times. There are no hangovers ever with Athletic Brewing Company, so you can take them to your kid's game, a big game, tackling work, working out when. Ever. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you, or you buy online at athleticbrewingcompany.com or athleticbrewing.com, not company. First customers can use code Locked On to get 15% off your online order. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Only one time for a second segment sip. Right before the second segment. So 
Bo Nix's Heisman candidacy should be alive and well. The Ducks are 8-1. and one. We're in this spot a season ago. Nix, thankfully, is healthy going into the final three games. I credit Will Stein for that because he has utilized Nix's mobility while also keeping him from having to run, which has protected him and kept him upright. And the offensive line has done a great job. I have repeated and will say once again, because it remains true, that Bo Nix, who went for a meager 386 yards and four touchdowns on Saturday, does it even feel like he did that? You know, it's just kind of, again, we we've, we just come to expect it from the guy. He's so fantastically awesome. But 386 yards, four touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns as well, and the quarterback sneaks, which he's really good at. Six touchdowns total. That's a great statistical game. He hasn't put up the sort of passing numbers strictly speaking, that you know, a Michael Penix or a Caleb Williams will put up because of the structure of the offense, which I think is a good thing for Oregon's team. Bo Nix will find himself as a Heisman Trophy finalist if Oregon makes the college football playoff. And if he doesn't get to New York, it's probably because the Ducks didn't get to the playoff. I think those two things are going to remain intertwined. Oregon's four games away from getting there. USC this week. Arizona State the following week. Oregon State in the game formerly known as the Civil War, and then a Pac-12 championship game that is likely going to be a rematch with Washington. Win those four games, Oregon is 12-1, and Pac-12 champs in the college football playoff. Bo Nix will go to New York. And I think his Heisman candidacy, I've had a couple questions about that, should be alive and well because he's just so darn good. Only two interceptions this year, like, That alone is a crazy stat. It's even crazier when you consider that one of those interceptions was right off his receiver's hands in a downpour in the first quarter of this Saturday's game, and it didn't affect the offense. And the way that he executes the offense and the way that he appears to be mentoring Ty Thompson successfully, the the guy just brings everything to the table you want in in, in your starting quarterback for a power five program that's trying to get back to the college football playoff for the first time in nine years. That's that's what you want. He's got everything. He can move. He's got the arm. He makes the throws. He's accurate. He's consistent. Everything is there. And I, for one, am uh, here for it. Let's get into the mailbag. A lot of questions. A lot of questions uh, that have come in. So uh, Twitter, YouTube comments, ways to get in the mailbag. There's also a way to get priority mailbag access, and that is is becoming a Locked On Ducks insider. You also get breaking news, rapid reactions, a a chance to talk with me one-on-one, especially during Oregon games when I'm able to sit down and watch if I don't have another obligation. You get all that over at Subtext that everybody else doesn't get. Don't worry. The show is free and available for everybody. If you want to consume it the same way you have been, by all means, I appreciate you. Subtext is a free 14-day trial. Then it is uh, $5 a month after that. So, a uh, couple questions came in on uh, Twitter. This one from MJ Zero. Would love to hear what, and then he tags a bunch of uh, Oregon people. Honored to be in uh, that discussion. Uh, it was me and Nat Prem, Eric Scopel, and Jared Mack, the Outs and Audibles guys, QB11, and, uh, and and Doug. They have an Oregon podcast. Is Oregon playing better or the same since the loss to Washington? Better or the same? I'll, I'll lean slightly better. I don't think there's that much of a gap, though. I mean, Oregon had 99 penalty yards on Saturday. What were we talking about going into the Husky game? Got to be able to keep the penalties down. Got to be able to play a clean brand of football. 
in Oregon, just a couple of plays of execution away from winning that football game. They played very well in a hostile, loud, ruckus environment. It, it, it was rowdy up there in Seattle. Oregon played really well. Washington's really good. And Oregon played well the following week against Washington State. And Oregon played well this week against Cal. They've played really good football. So, I mean, if they were playing at a nine and a half out of 10, you know, going into the Washington game after back to back 42 to six wins against Colorado and, and Stanford, and they played at, you know, an eight and a half to nine or so out of, I feel like Dave Portnoy with the pizza review. It's like an eight four. It's like, it's just it's a solid eight four right there. Um, those videos are so funny. Anyway, so. If, if Oregon played like an eight and a half to nine at Washington in which they, you know, outgained the Huskies and just weren't able to convert on fourth down or make a field goal. I, I'm watching Washington play and they haven't played at quite as high of a level as the Ducks every single game, but upped it when they needed to on the road against USC. I know that Washington's a really good team and I think Oregon has played mildly better, but, but, but has it been that much better? Did we feel that way for the first quarter of the Washington State game or, frankly, the first quarter of the Cal game when there were some sloppy mistakes in the rain? No. So I I, I think they're, like, slightly better, just like just, just a little. But I, I think it's pretty close to the same because I think they were playing at a high level, and I think they played a really good football game uh, against Washington that day on, on the road. So, uh, yeah, I don't think there's been that much of a change. Uh, here, here's another one. This is a popular question that I'll, I think I'm going to get to uh, once I keep going through the mailbag throughout the week. This from uh, Rick Goodman. Mailbag, let's talk about it. I don't have any more questions about Ty as long as he doesn't digress. digress. Uh, I think regress is the word you're looking for there. The keys are the keys are his for Oregon football next year. Hashtag tie time 24. His 2023 stats, 2025, 238 yards, nine and a half yards per completion, three touchdowns, no picks, six carries for 49 yards. That's a well-orchestrated and well-supported question there. So I still have some questions. I have fewer than I did when the season began, though, about the possibility of Ty starting in 2024. I, I think that every chance we have had to see him in real game action this year whether it's against FCS teams like Portland State or, you know, lower level power five teams like Stanford or, or, or Cal on Saturday. He's he's so much better. He, he's making touch throws. He's executing the offense. He looks comfortable in the pocket. He had three throws that made you go, whoa, that looks like a starting quarterback. There was the rollout throw to Treshawn Holden on the sideline on what I think was a second or third down. There was a third and two play that I think I think the Austin Audible's guys had mentioned that he might have checked at the line of scrimmage into it. And he hit, I think it was Gary Bryant or Treshawn Holden again over the middle, just stands tall, clean pocket, crossing pattern, zips it, ball is right on the money. I mean, right on the money. And he got praise from Dan Lanning and praise from Bo Nix, and he deserves it. And then the touchdown to Treshawn Holden. Does anyone think Ty Thompson makes that throw last year? Cause I don't. And I saw that throw in the wheel route against, I forget who it was. Um, Hawaii. I think these are the sorts of throws he just wasn't making previously. And we're seeing him start to make them. And, and, and if he's got it figured out and, you know, knows enough to orchestrate the offense of the line of scrimmage and get into the right plays and make audibles and everything like that, 
he's got the tools to be really good because when he makes a good throw, he's got an even stronger arm than Bo Nix. He's not a better quarterback than Bo Nix, obviously, but he's learned from a guy who we know has got experience, has got talent, is very productive, and is a great leader, as I talked about. A lot of things trending in Ty Thompson's direction. It is not, it is not set in stone. Not, not even close. But yeah, I think he's looking, he's looking pretty darn good. So how good is Oregon's defense? How good is Oregon's defense? We're going to get that question answered in a big way on Saturday, though I have at least half an idea, maybe more, of how to feel about that particular unit. I have 100% certainty that LinkedIn Jobs is a great place to go find your next hire. And all of them feel like a high stakes wager for your small business nowadays. And you want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That is why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Go in there, create a free job post in minutes. Super easy. Add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile to spread the word that you are Hiring small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one, that's numero uno, in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So, how good is this Oregon defense? This question came in from Forrest. And there are more mailbag questions. I'm fully aware. Fear not. I don't let them go unseen because I appreciate you all so very much. And I'll be getting to more on uh, tomorrow's show. Question. If Oregon comes out against SC and the defense absolutely balls out and rattles Caleb Williams in a potent SC offense, pulls in three or more turnovers, records five sacks, I would love that. Where do you rank an already strong Oregon defense in both the Pac-12 and nationally? So entering this game against USC, Oregon is number two in points per game allowed defensively, second only to Utah at 15.8. Oregon's at 16. That ranks them 11th nationally and second in the pack. And it's an offense, by the way, that's number one in scoring offense in the entire country at over 47 a game. So I think defensively for the Ducks, they're really good. They're really good. And I think that Washington game was proof positive that they're really good. Because I look at that game and say, yep, 37 points is more than I'd like to see Oregon allow. Also, look at what Washington does to some other teams this year. When they're at full strength, when they're you know, not battling the flu, which is apparently their coaching staff talked about something they had been dealing with. Put up 52 points on the road against USC. I hope Oregon puts up at least that many at Autzen Stadium on, on Saturday. I look at this Oregon defense and say, you got playmakers at all three levels. They're well coached. They're great situationally. They can defend the run. They can defend the pass. Everything is there. I think Oregon can end the year with a top 10 defense nationally. I absolutely believe that on a statistical level. And I think their play can back up those numbers. What do I always say? Stats are a starting point, not an end point. My eyes are telling me that the numbers are reflective of how good this Oregon defense is. 16 points per game. Yeah, that's that, that's what they've been. By the way, only gave up 12 on Saturday to Cal, a team that knows how to score the football. Weird thing to say about a Justin Wilcox team. They know how to score. They had the capability of doing so, and Oregon's defense just didn't let him. Held stiff with a couple turnovers in the red zone, did a really nice job, got off the field on their own fourth down opportunity. I think they can have a top 10 defense and the number one overall defense in the Pac-12. 
you know, Utah hasn't played Washington yet. So statistically, Oregon can move up in that realm. But frankly, that, that, that's just a semantical difference, right? What's 15.8 points per game against 16.0, which is the gap between Oregon and Utah right now? It's, it's really nothing. It's about how can you play in big games. In Oregon against Utah, six points. It was a big game at the time. Colorado, that was utter dominance. Starters didn't allow a touchdown. Against Washington, yep, gave up the late touchdown. Shouldn't have been put in that situation. Whether that means Oregon should have punted or converted the fourth down, whatever. Shouldn't have been put in that spot. Should have held the Huskies under 30, which would have been at the time their lowest point total on their home field this season. They put up 15 and didn't have an offensive touchdown against ASU. I think that was more a fluky game than anything, and I don't think Washington was as up for it as they were for the Ducks, and that was an emotional letdown coming after the fact, and we shouldn't expect that to happen. That's you know kind of a one-off, I think, for a really, really potent Washington offense. So I think they're among the best defenses in the pack. That's been well-established. I think it's between Utah, Oregon, and UCLA. I think all those defenses are really, really good. And Oregon's got the best offense of the three. That's why the Ducks are in the driver's seat for the Pac-12 championship game right now. But I think we could look up at the end of this season. When you look at the opponents Oregon's got coming in, yeah, USC might score some points. But Arizona State and Oregon State, you can hold both of those teams under 20 points if you play well. Absolutely. I believe this defense is capable of that. So I think they can have the number one defense in the pack. I think they can finish top 10 nationally. And I think they've got the talent to do it. And they're playing really, really well. And the situational football is what I love most. Let me pull up the stats uh, real quick. This year on third down, Oregon defensively, 32.3%. Last year, it was over 46. Opponents this year are 11 of 24 on fourth down. They got everything they need. Physicality up front. They can stop the run. They can plug holes. They can get after the quarterback. They fly sideline to sideline. Their secondary makes plays. The coverage is there. I mean, everything is there for this defense to be good, and they are really, really good. A couple questions here to wrap up today's show from Abe. Hey, Spence, happy Saturday. That's when he sent the question, of course. Watching the Texas game right now. I think with the Arch Manning, Malik Murphy situation, next year does one of them enter the portal knowing they can start elsewhere? Does Oregon hop on that? Yeah, I think one of them could enter the portal. I think it depends on, you know, whether or not Arch Manning feels obligated to fulfill the NIL deal that he almost certainly got uh, coming out of high school to go play for Texas. I could see a world in which Arch Manning, you know, Quinn Ewers will go to the NFL. I could see a world where one of them transfers. I'd be interested. But as I talked about with the Ty Thompson thing earlier, I don't know that it's required. Don't know that it is. I don't know that Oregon's going to have to take a transfer quarterback. That's more of an offseason topic. You know, I, I, I'm not diving super heavy into this because I want Oregon fans to stay present in the moment, but I'm also receptive to questions. You know, that's kind of how this arrangement works. You watch the show, send me a question, I answer. Another question that popped into my head as I asked this, does Dante Moore transfer to Oregon if we can guarantee him a starting spot? You can't guarantee him a starting spot. You can't. And also, there's a relationship between Dante Moore and, and, and Dan Lanning, but when he was committed to the Ducks verbally and I interviewed Dante Moore down in Las Vegas at the OT seven, I asked him about Oregon, you know, who he jumped right towards Kenny Dillingham. That was the guy who got him to Oregon. Dillingham leaves Dante Moore leaves. Dillingham doesn't leave. Dante Moore is a duck right now sitting behind Bo Nix and ready to compete with Ty Thompson for the starting spot in 2024. I wouldn't get into the Dante Moore conversation. Don't think that's going to happen. Don't think it needs to happen. Dante Moore has to develop. 
So does Ty Thompson. And Thompson's been in college football longer. In theory, he could be further along. We haven't seen him in prolonged game action against, you know, the number ones of a defense, but there have been encouraging signs this year. Murphy from Texas, eh, maybe. Maybe. But right now, I think Ty Thompson's got to be your leading your leader to be the starting quarterback in, in 2024. That's how I see it. We'll see what the coaches think in the offseason. Appreciate everyone listening. See you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, go Ducks.